Welcome to the Week in Italian Startup, where we discuss the latest highlights happening in the Italian tech and investment ecosystem. Welcome everyone to the Week in Italian Startup. What's up, Nick? Ciao, Jack. Uh, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Our thanks. It was a bumpy weekend, right? Very bumpy weekend, uh, which we're going to try to dissect at best in our 20 plus minutes, uh, which is impossible. I mean, this is something that we need way more, but uh, we will try to uncover like a few things. So yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room, about the, the liquidation of Silicon Valley Bank and how exactly that can affect the uh, European and Italian ecosystem. So. Nick, first of all, I have to say that uh, the Italian press didn't do much a great job to explain properly what was going on. And I was pretty disappointed because of the, the macro titles kind of uh, telling us how Silicon Valley overall is failing and the tech industry is over. Uh, so people listening, don't, don't read the general press. Please go to Analyst. Please go to the link that Nick uh, submitted through the newsletter. Uh, explaining the great the situation in a, in a deeper level, so uh, that's uh, uh, that's the way to go because the general press is just uh, not doing, uh, you know, they're just pushing the urgency, making it sensational, which is not helpful for anybody. I don't know what's your thinking, but I was a bit disappointed, honestly. Well, actually, I agree with you, but uh, I'm not really knowing this uh, that, that these things happen in terms of communication. So uh, the press has to simplify for the general public, so it's easier to say, "Oh, the bank is out of money uh, for whatever reasons," and the entire world is collapsing. Uh, that's partially true, but probably the reality is more nuanced. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, from what it seems from all the commentators and all the uh, the descriptions of what what's going on it was a matter of um you know don't being used to interest rates anymore <laughs> yeah. and in going allocating very wrong your uh, your uh, let's say long-term assets uh, as a bank and yeah. then that brought down uh, basically an entire an entire institution um the, the funny thing is um, that's you know um that happens really weekends is also the other, the, the third bank that was basically put into forced liquidation, let's say so, by the uh, US government. There was another one um, in New York uh, of similar size as uh, Silicon Valley Bank. And for similar reasons, even though it was uh, it was not insolvent technically as Silicon Valley Bank was. Uh, so in, in a matter of, few day, of a few days, uh, in the U.S., three banks related to startups and crypto uh, were basically forced to, to, to close and uh, seek, uh, looked for uh, government support. We, we also have to say that the um, American regulators moved swiftly because over a, a, just over a single weekend, they took the decision to ensure basically 100% of the deposits of Silicon Valley Bank. So the, the companies that deposited money into the bank are probably going to almost surely gonna be made whole on their deposits. Mm -hmm. And uh, shareholders and bondholders will probably see zero or close to zero investment into the bank. Yeah. And that, that's, that's interesting, right? Uh, yeah. So I, I've read about parallelism with uh, what Lehman Brothers did, what happened with the last latest um, uh, bank crisis. So it's similar, uh, but they have to say the, 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 the the U.S. government moved quite fast in this totally, case. Totally. And, uh, 
they, you, they probably yeah. took the sensible decision. I mean, if they didn't tell the market that deposits were, you know, were safe, yeah. probably we would have seen a lot more bank runs on the smaller regional local banks, yeah. even even unrelated to crypto or to to, to totally. startups. Just be, totally. just because you you never know. This is a small bank. Uh, better get out quickly because I'm I'm under the, the, the impression that a lot of smaller banks are long on the wrong type of assets. Mm-hmm. So this is probably not nothing that's only related to Silicon Valley Bank or the other two. So Yeah, the other element which I thought it was interesting and some people pointed it out is that this is a bank run 2.0. So if before bank run really were people running to the bank to withdraw cash, this was a digital bank run. So imagine just the, the swiftness and how quick this can happen and escalate in a contagion effect all around Europe. So that's, uh, that's impressive and extremely powerful. So uh, yeah, I agree with you. The, the, the reaction of the, of, of the government was quick to reassure the markets and avoid contagion effect. So talking about contagion effect, uh, let's see what can be the ripple effect in, in Europe maybe and, uh, and in Italy. So uh, a few people uh, are saying that, you know, everybody is safe, uh, you know, Basilea, like uh, go, um, regulation is stricter. Uh, uh, the banking sector is like uh, more protected and more regulated than the US. And especially in Italy, I think the, um, the CEO of Mediolanum Bank was telling how exactly in Italy doesn't really exist a bank of the sort of Silicon Valley Bank, just sort of holding, um, cash for startups or working with startups so there is less risk there which is uh, you know we can agree about the, we can agree or disagree we can discuss that to be honest with you i mean uh, i'm sure i don't have the same experience as this guy but uh, i i've definitely a few arguments against that uh, but yeah so uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say the systemic risk is uh, in italy is uh, it comes from startups uh, let, let's remember that they raised uh, like two billion euros last year like two billion that's nothing for any bank uh, so it can't be a risk for uh, for anybody uh, yeah probably there's some other parts of the market that are at risk in, uh, yeah i mean at our I latitudes think, uh, Sort of saying there is no ripple effect, I think, is under-evaluating the problem. I think that founders are definitely being touched on a sensitive nerve and will start asking questions about their current backward-hold funds and how exactly the insurance works. Because with a little bit of research, and I'm no expert on banking, is that according to the, especially in Italy, there is a, this Fondo Interbancario Tutela Depositi, FIDT, Founded in '87, is a consortium of 147 banks, basically kind of uh, having insurance in case of uh, liquidation of, or failure of, of banks. And uh, basically, uh, we have a way lower bar than US. So US is 250k, Italy is 100k, and the delta that is deposited is basically up to uh, you know the liquidation of the assets of the bank. So it's like uh, when the bank is liquidated your delta deposit will be assigned to liabilities of banks. And after the full liquidation takes place, then you're going to be maybe return the capital. So and this, is, this is a funny thing, right? If you think about it, uh, if everything is true, Silicon Valley Bank went under because they, was, they were marking to market all their bonds that were not marked to market. So they were basically saying, hey, you know, if I have to sell off these bonds today, I'm insolvent. 
Yeah. It, it was probably more than this, but let's say so, no? I mean, you have 100 euros of bonds on your balance sheet and just saying, hey, I mean, if I had to sell it today, it would be worth 80. And 80 is less than whatever cash I, I, yeah. I owe to my depositors. And basically, in this case, you're doing the same. You're forcing a sale. So basically, making it real that you are yeah. fully not able to repay back in full the deposits. So it's not just a, an accounting uh, maneuver. It's reality. It's, yeah, that's so when, when you, you put that into liquidation, you try to sell all, the, all these assets. Yeah. That's real. You are not going to take the, your money back. So that, that's the, the, the magic of bank runs. They make an <laughs> hypothesis real. <laughs> yeah, so that's how you it's make great. basically the you know when you feel the realized versus unrealized losses or gain. That's how you actually feel it, and it's not just an accounting thing. Good point. Yeah. Oh, awesome. um, uh, funny, funny, funny thing. You know, uh, the winner in, of the Nobel Prize in Economics this year. What was his? You know, the, the reason for the Nobel Prize. What was the reason? No. Uh, a, a model of bank runs. Awesome! Wow. That's uh... <laughs> so they described how bank runs work like a few months back. They won they, they won the Nobel Prize a few months back for that modeling. So it's that's correct. Beautiful, that's correct. beautiful. That, that's something foreshadowing. Foreshadowing what was happening. Crazy. So um, I think there are a couple of takeaways here, but uh, again, it's a discussion that can take hours. Uh, I think one is uh, you know. Uh, maybe again like founders being more thoughtful regarding banking and maybe steering toward like old school like solid bank banks rather than maybe like a sort of more new and digital only sort of kind of banks so maybe there is a big bias that we're going to be built uh, after that and that's uh, that's probably like a, a different sensitivity founders i don't know how how you feel about that uh, i have to say Probably one of the thing, uh, I guess in the last few years, a, a very, a very good treasurer, treasurer practice, treasury practice was lost. That was to have more than one bank account in more than one institution. So a lot of startups in the good US point. in particular went under because they only had one account with one bank with all their money mm -hmm. in it. But that's mm -hmm. not. That, that, that has not been true in all the, the history of, of you know, companies. So good practices, manage your money, diversify. Back to the basics. Back to, Back the, to the basics. Back to the on 80s, the other, basically. On the, on the positive note, I was, I was uh, speaking with some wealth managers and I was like, guys, there is a big opportunity here where you actually can build a product for liquidity sort of management to avoid the risk. So you can actually, once startups raise maybe like a few millions, then maybe they should consider buying like interesting product to actually manage liquidity differently than, uh, than just deposits. So maybe there is uh, an opportunity there where, uh, you know, product, I don't know if it's, they're going to look like a more insurance product than treasury management product, but uh, maybe there is something there on the wave of, uh, of this kind of problem. Because again, uh, 100K, in the bank insured and the rest is out that's uh that's crazy i mean uh if a, if a, if a founder raise his first series a uh two to four to five million then uh yeah big exposure for sure and uh you know the bigger becomes the worse so maybe there is yeah, something but that's, 
it, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, at least when you have a certain amount of money, from a certain amount of money up, it may make sense. Uh, Makes sense to um, um, diversify your liquidity into something more, you know, um, into some other product other than yeah. raw cash into a bank yeah. account. But that doesn't mean that you just go there and you start buying uh, government uh, bonds and whatever. So yeah. I mean, that, that requires planning because if you plan it wrong, you're basically in-housing uh, the same thing that just happens in Kapali Bank. You need cash. You point. have a bond. The bond lost value for some reason, and you're done. That's um, a good point. Yeah. So I agree, I agree with you, but it requires skill. So you need some kind of support and uh, expert support in order to how yeah. to manage your cash. All right. So uh, let's move on just to cover the rest of what, what happened last week. So a lot of movement in the public market in Italy, especially in the uh, Euronext growth in Milan. Uh, starting from uh, Cube, essentially. So let's talk about Cube for a second. Uh, so in general, uh, let's uh, let's uh, um, let's talk about that. Cube Labs, health tech venture builders working on a listing on the Euronext Growth Milan, uh, aiming for a pre-money valuation of about 30 million. So um, I was checking exactly the model, how exactly Cube Labs is working. And I must say it's like exceptional when it comes to kind of structure that they managed to build, bringing, so first of all, they have a portfolio, I think of around 16 companies or so, roughly, uh, and uh, they're leveraging both uh, grants, expertise, laboratories, and an angel network to actually push very technical uh, companies in the health tech sector. So that's a very powerful model. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're doing it, uh, they're, I mean, it seems like they're doing it extremely like a, you know, um, precisely and with a lot of detail. So it makes perfect sense for them to actually uh, access these kind of capital markets. I mean, they very well organized for sure. Yeah, I don't have much to, to add here. Uh, of course, they operate in a market that's not mine. Uh, we are not new uh, to see ventures, studios, accelerators, uh, incubators that are you know, going public. Uh, in Italy in particular, uh, and this, this week we had another news related to uh, similar operators and we are going to tell more about it uh, in a minute. Um, it's, um, I have to say that it, it is an inter interesting times in order to think to, to, to go public, uh, in particular for, for, for this kind of, uh, of company, but I mean, um, I think they, they're advisors and they, 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 they made it a very thorough um, uh, reasoning uh, around the timing, around the opportunity uh, to go public. So very nice, very good. Awesome. Then the other big operation that happened, uh, in, it is happening actually in the course of happening in the, in the public market is Digital Magics and Adventure Groups. Uh, basically working on a merger uh, situation. So that's uh, very powerful. So Digital Magic has been sort of uh, helping the startup ecosystem for 20 years. Digital Magics, sorry, uh, Venture then sort of uh, took over from uh, the Lewis University and then started like uh, also investing in startups. And uh, yeah, two big player, definitely in the, in the seed space in Italy, uh, pulling together to actually become, grow together. That's, uh, that's extremely powerful. 
Yeah, this is another interesting operation. I mean, Alventure is very strong in, in the Rome area uh, with a long tenure of accelerated startups. I think they have hundreds of startups on the, uh, in their past and you know, owning uh, small participation, small tickets in a lot of them. And same for Digital Magics, but you know, more present in, in Milan and in Torino, I believe. Uh, so they're basically been considering and finding out how to become a, a global national player. Uh, I was taking a look at the, both are public, they're both mm -hmm. public, yeah. and that's the, the interesting bit. And I was taking a look at uh, how and whether the markets reacted to the, to the news. Uh, and I have to say, Digital Magic looks mostly unmoved. Uh, so the, 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 the share value, the share price is mostly, you know, mostly there. There was some volatility in the last few days, but uh, nothing, uh, nothing extreme. Mm -hmm. Uh, while El Venture looks like, uh, so they had a positive reaction, not not a big reaction, but it looks a bit uh, kind of positive. So the market is, you know, waiting and looking. It seems. I mean, you're talking very small, very low volumes here. Yeah. But still. But still, uh, worth uh, worth considering. Yeah, good point, Nick. Awesome. All right, talking about M&As, let's talk about Scalapaying, acquiring Cabel IP for an undisclosed amount. I know you did some research on that, so I'm super curious on what uh, what is your thought on the on the deal? What is the purpose of the acquisition? What do you think uh, uh, was the thinking behind this kind of acquisition? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, so the, the purpose comes from the article. So Scalapay is aiming to become, so, so they want to be integrated into the, um, Payment service providers going to to, uh, to merchants and probably so I'm no expert here, so there are a lot of layers uh, in the payment ecosystem. They need the, the license and the payment institution in order to be able to integrate with their uh, PSPs. Uh, and they decided that rather than um, asking for the license and going through all the process to become a payment institution, just acquire one. So you know, that's faster, easier. Probably they have the cash to do it. Um, and I, I took a look at, at the, the, the acquired companies. I didn't know about them. Uh, and there's a public website where they have a page with the governance. And looking at the uh, shareholders, uh, we see a lot, a lot of very small regional banks. Talking about banks and small banks <laughs> in, uh, in, in Italy. Uh, coming from Banco di Cambiano, uh, Tuscan. Uh, Tuscan banks, Banca Pisa for Macette, Banca Castagneto, very interesting, Banca Reale, so from, not only from, uh, from Tuscany, but uh, also from Lazio, from uh, Piemonte. So they came together, created this uh, consortium and set up this payment institution that they all sold to, to Scalapay. Um, and I took a look at one random uh, bank from there. Um, Banco di Cambiano, I would say, it was interesting, they have the public, um, uh, public financial statements. Uh, and from there we can see there are a few cable-related companies uh, going around. And uh, the interesting thing is that they had last June cable, cable IP uh, on their balance sheet at cost, like 45,000 euros, something like that. So I, I expect they they posted some profits, some capital gain from the, from the, mm -hmm. from the sale. 
Awesome. So let's also talk about uh, new entrants in the industry, uh, just to, on the closing note. So first of all, Exceptional Venture, founded by Paolo Pio, uh, essentially is uh, hosting a few events in Turin and Milan. And it's interesting because uh, they already have like a 20 million fund, which is invested in about like 10 companies, 10-ish company, And uh, they're focusing on uh, essentially health and wellness sector and also food tech. So uh, another player sort of, trying to catch uh, some of the biggest vertical that are happening in Italy. So that's, uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is not a, an Italian fund. They are based in London, but uh, Paolo is Italian. So it's very, um, very nice, very interesting that he's coming back and scouting on the uh, locally, you know, to find some targets. I think they, they've never invested in Italian companies. So that's a good signal that they're looking for some opportunities here. Uh, we'll see whether something good comes out of, uh, of yeah. these, uh, these meetings. Awesome. And on a closing note, uh, Azimut raising a third Ali Crowd fund with a target of 40 million on the platform. Uh, so on Mama Crowd, uh, they're actually open uh, to receive investments through the platform. And essentially, uh, um, Ali Crowd 3 uh, is a part of the LTIF that have been launched before. Uh, and it's basically the platform for uh, Alicrowd 2 also. And uh, yeah, the goal is about 40, 40 million euro and the duration of the fund is going to be eight years. And again, they're doing like a, some of the great job in Italy to actually democratizing venture investing by providing product to retail. So that's, uh, that's powerful. Uh, I mean, as, as we continually say, you know, the Azimut people are definitely on the edge of, uh, of what's happening in the venture space. So awesome job to them for sure. Can, 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 I, can I make a, um, you know, um, just a quick note here because I find it interesting, right? Because it's basically the, that crowdfunding, um, the specific crowdfunding platform ecosystem and Ali Crowd as a fund. So they're basically a small, tiny model of real world, right? So if you think in the real world, there are a lot of stocks, a lot of bonds, so you, you need to spend a lot of time in order to understand whether to allocate your capital. So what do you do? You, you, do to, you, you go to, to Azimut and ask, hey, you know Azimut, can I invest just you know, in the mutual funds? And you can pick and, and decide what to allocate capital on my behalf. And you pay, pay a fee and Azimut will allocate the capital for you. It's kind of the same, right? Yeah, because AliCrowd is gonna invest in companies that are raising capital on the crowdfunding platform that you could invest by yourself. Yeah, but well, you don't have time. You think you don't have enough you know, the, the competence to select the right targets. You need to follow. You need to you know, handle your portfolio together. So in that small ecosystem, you decide. Oh, I mean, you know, uh, instead of you know uh, spending time picking the, my, my my investments on a single platform, they are all there. They are. They are they are all there for you, so easy to pick. Now, I just give money to, to Azimuth, I will pay a fee for it, and they will do that job for me. That's I like that. right? It's, so, uh, it's definitely making the ecosystem more fluid. I mean, a professional operator yeah. taking over and allocating liquidity. So actually, even people that have no time or competence, but they want exposure, they can actually access. So that's, uh, that's powerful. I, I like the model. And the good thing is that this is something that uh, only professional investor and accredited investor, depending on the kind of definition, would have, would have access to. But now it's very open. So the, min the minimum ticket is, is 10K. And again, this is not financial advice. 
the you know it's a high risk investment and the the capital is locked in for about eight years but uh, yeah the structure is definitely something that is uh, is bringing uh, venture investing closer to retail which is like a definitely positive way to think about it yeah completely all right nick thank you so much for joining and uh, i'll see you next week ciao jack ciao everybody see you in a week